What's up, movie friends? Welcome back to another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through all of the movies that we've been watching this past week, as well as ranking the Letterboxd top four of five of you listeners. And we just want to say it's great to be back home. We were in Boston all week, spending time with our mom and our family, and we want to say thank you to the outpouring of love that we got from all of you. We think we appreciate that so much. It really meant the world to us. Yeah, yeah. It was a very emotional and tough year so far, but Janice is doing great, so thanks for all the kind words. Now we're back home and getting right back into it. We're back in the studio, and another quick update. We are going to be doing a greeting card this year, so if you want to receive a greeting holiday card from Raiders of the Lost Podcast, Anthony and I, then all you have to do is become a patron at the minimum $10 tier. So everyone who's in the $10 or up tier on our Patreon, Raiders of Lo- I mean, patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, you will receive a holiday card from us this holiday season. Juno will be in the card. Will well. he? Yeah, yes. we'll have to He'll get, make an appearance. We'll have Juno make an appearance. And yeah. also, in case you don't know yet, we have ad-free episodes. Every episode are, is now being put on Patreon ad-free for the minimum of $5 tiers per five dollar tier per month. So if you want the ad-free experience of the show, go ahead and join the Show Me the Money! Show Me the Money! Patreon tier. <laughs> so now that we've got Patreon updated, let's get into what we've been watching, Anthony. And what have you been watching? What, what How many you got logged? 76? Only eight because of the trip. The kid's been traveling and he's still got eight movies in. <laughs> how? How? He's like watching movies. I'm a machine. Well, I am a machine. <laughs> this is my lowest week in, in a couple months. He's I watching think. movies in Ubers. <laughs> uh, but my first movie was something you'd recommended to me. It came out in 2023 called uh, No Hard Feelings, starring Jennifer Lawrence. And you're right. It's not like the best movie in the world, but it's a fun time. I gave it three and a half star rating. It's just like uh, cute, raunchy, not so much a rom-com, but like a coming-of-age comedy about two people coming-of-age in a way. And it was actually pretty funny. Jennifer Lawrence is hysterical, and uh, her co-star in this, the guy who played the the co-lead, Andrew Berth Feldman, he did a great job as Percy. Um, the movie was exactly what I was expecting. You know what I mean? It was like exactly to the T what I had in mind when I started the film. And that's sometimes it's not a bad thing. It's like exactly what I was hoping for. Um, I will say it was a little long, and it did lose its raunchiness and got a little too heartfelt and a little too dramatic in the second half. But the first half is really funny. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence is very charismatic, super charming. She's hysterical in this movie. It's a fun movie. It's very predictable, very yes. silly. And But if you need a good laugh, you need something new to watch. Yeah. It's just one of those, yeah, it's going to make me chuckle. It's yeah. going to make me chuckle. It's nothing unique. I watched it on the plane. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a great plane movie. Yeah, it's a good hour and a half entertaining but you're right it gets a little too dramatic they could have kept i was like okay, i was like can we just end this i yeah. already I, I was like i know how this is gonna end let's just get to exactly it. like you know how it's gonna but the first 25 minutes hysterical yeah plus the guy evan who plays richie on the bears yes in it. yes yeah. i didn't That's realize great. he was gonna be in it so it was, it was a Fun great surprise. surprise when i watched it my first watch of the week was the wolf of wall street oh. just felt like watching something epic and hilarious four and a half stars obviously the sides did not cure cancer. That's the problem. That's why they were so expensive. <laughs> did you watch this on the plane? No, I watched it the, the before we The went. day before? Yeah, uh-huh. the day before. <laughs> it, uh, my letterbox review got a bunch of gr- great quotes from it, so we got the extra credits. Huh? Captain who? 
Captain Ahab from the fucking book. From the book, motherfucker. From the book. Turn your fucking brain on. <laughs> Brody wrote, you can watch me, mock me, try to block me, but you cannot stop me. <laughs> Eli, that's what I said. T and E. No, you said T and A. T and A. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I love this movie so much. It's hysterical. It's the closest thing to Goodfellas. We've talked about it so many times. And we yeah, did an yeah. episode on it. In addition We're going to cover it soon. We didn't do a solo episode. We did a Wall Street episode, so we did that. The big shorts. And did we do another one? Or is it just those two? Just those two for which Wall Street. Was a really fun episode. We, we did that when the apes and AMC and GameStop were going off back in 2020. When we were all losing our minds. So we were like, how do we distract ourselves? We weren't even like even close to full-time on the show yet. We were no. making long, $0. Long fucking time. We were making $0 on the show when we did an episode. <laughs> we were, the were making Wall negative Street. dollars. Yeah, we were, we were in the red <laughs> big time. But um, I love The Wolf of Wall Street. It's It's grown to be one of my favorite Scorsese movies over the years because, you know, when I, I've seen at like 10 of his movies I've seen many, many times. Yeah. The other ones I've seen two or three times. But of those 10 that I've seen many times, this one's starting to reach the top five for me. I also have a Marty movie in my list. However, I'll get to that after our Letterbox top four from five listeners. Let's do it. First up, we have Spencer. Spencer is a, a great fan of the show. He also has a, a fun TikTok and Instagram account account called uh, Spencer Talks Film. Um, his letterbox is just uh, Spencer Trebow. Uh, his his bow is great. Just sharing my movie reviews with the world, even though no one reads them. <laughs> <laughs> so first up, Spencer has Good Will Hunting. Absolute banger. Banger. You all know how much we love Banger, it. banger, banger. Then Catch Me If You Can. Amazing. I like your taste in the I'm, film. I'm loving this. Then La La Land. And then... Spencer closed it out with a movie. I'm sorry, but I can't talk about it. Oh, yeah. We can't really talk about that. Sorry, film, I can't talk about Sorry. It. I can't believe you even logged it, Spencer. <laughs> but I'm then he, And then Spencer, at the time of when he sent this into me 18 years ago, <laughs> he watched Annihilation, Oppenheimer, Barbie, and The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, kid. I love that Goodwill Hunting uh, is first. Goodwill Hunting, catch me if you can. That's a killer combo, man. That really is. I mean, in my top 50 movies of all time, they're those might there. be there for my favorites. I think they're both in there. I mean, Google Hunting is yeah. like top 25. For me, they definitely are. And Catch Me If You Can is one of my favorite Spielberg movies. I'm telling you, man, I've always adored Goodwill Hunting, and it's always been one of my favorite movies. But seeing it in theaters made me love it even more. Yeah. Even though I didn't think I could. Goodwill Hunting, same. All right, next up, we got Lauren Shuttle. Listening to the soundtrack more than the movie 99% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sending this in, Lauren. So we got Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Doc Knight. The Doc Knight kid. You're going to get excited about this one, Jim. I'm ready. The man from Uncle. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I love it, James Lauren. Like, Finally. I love it, Lauren. Finally, if someone understands me. <laughs> <laughs> someone understands me. <laughs> and then After Sun. Great movie from yeah, last what year. What a great pick. All four. Love this. And then uh, recently, Lauren has watched Wildflower, which I haven't seen. Wildflower! <laughs> there go my ears. Sorry. <laughs> then Oppenheimer. Then One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And The Lobster. The Lobster Kid? The Lobster Guy. <laughs> Love the lobster. Thanks, Lord. Appreciate it. Next up, we have Dylan. 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 <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> we do it every time. <laughs> I can't help it when Dylan. I Dylan. What's the matter? They got you pushing too many fences. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> All right, first up, we got Inception. Banger. Banger, banger. The Social Network. Another banger. Oh, my God. Talk about the cream of the crop in the 2000s. Our listeners have such great taste. Then we got Get Out. 
Get Out. It's a really, really good movie. And then we have a movie you just watched. Really? Can you guess it? Like just watched? You just watched it. And it's the one that I did first? Yes. So The Wolf of Wall yes. Street? <laughs> you got it, guys. <laughs> I was like, what did I just cover? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. I literally pulled up Letterboxd to see what Anthony was talking about. <laughs> Dylan also just watched in this, what he says it to me, in summer, Barbie Oppenheimer. <laughs> then The Shining and La La Land. Great taste. Lots of La La Lands. Uh, and then we got Dane De La Porte. Uh, Daniel, Dan, it's Dan. just D A N, and I said Dane. Jeez, Anthony, what the hell's wrong with me? Why don't you learn how to read? <laughs> I can't read. I can't read. All right, Dan De La Porte has. Sorry, it's hard to read. Palm Springs, nice, which is an awesome Groundhog Day movie. Yeah. You gotta watch. Andy Samberg's great in it. I keep meaning to get get around to it's it. It's actually, I gotta say, it's one of the better. So for the Groundhog Day movies, obviously Groundhog Day has to be the best because it's the first one. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, and then Edge of Tomorrow, and then I put Spring uh, Break after it. I mean, then I put Happy Sp- Death Day. Then I put Palm Springs after it. Then Happy Death Day. Oh, so Happy, it's better than Happy Death Day. Um, actually, oh, that's a tough one between those two. Well, if it's as good as Happy Death Day, I'll definitely watch it's it. Great. I really it's like great. That movie. It's really, it's, it was much better than I was expecting. Because I was like, oh man, another Groundhog Day movie? Uh, but they did something fun with it. And it was it, it was different enough where it worked. And it didn't feel like it was treading on such familiar ground the whole time. Cool. I'll have to check it out, man. Then we have Annihilation. That's a great pick. That's the first one. Amazing poster, too. It's just um, a body made of flowers. I love that. It looks like the book cover of a novel. Then we have another great poster selection of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Great poster selection. And then we have the fantastic Mr. Fox. Ah, that's great. Great pick. One of my favorite Wes Harrison movies. And then... Here, put this bandit mask on. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were like talking to me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> we should and, cover it and wear bandit masks yeah, the whole time. That'd be great. And uh, Dan uh, actually used the actual book cover for his letterboxed cover of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Love it's it. It's really cool. Love that. Love. Love. Finally, we have Andy Walker. A longtime supporter Andy! of the show. I like this first pick because it is. So first up, I know, I'm sure you can guess it based on this hint. Andy has the best uh, Star Wars movie. Empire. Empire Strikes Empire Back, Strikes baby. Back. That's right. It's number one. It's untouchable. And then? Alien. Alien! Top ten all time for me. Nice. And then Whiplash. Um, amazing pick. My favorite Chazelle movie. Mine's first man, but I still appreciate the hell out of Whiplash. I like I think I like Whiplash more than La La Land. So do I. Unpopular opinion. Yeah, it's um seems to be unpopular. And I adore La La Land. Wow, you're just like a rebel. I'm I am a rebel. <laughs> you're just like oh my god, doing your own thing over there. I just you know, walk to the beat of my own drum. Love it. You know how it is. So cool, man. One day I hope I could be like you. <laughs> You'll never get there. <laughs> 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 and then Andy finished it up with Taxi Driver. I love it, Andy. One of my favorites. This is my top five. What a list. What a list. Thanks for sending it in, pal. <laughs> and then I uh, also w- watched Oppenheimer Barbie <laughs> this week. <laughs> <laughs> Tron Legacy, as well as uh, my autobiography. My biography. Was my was my bio? Four-year-old version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's saving himself, everybody. <laughs> 
That's what he says now. I still love when I put it on Letterboxd. There were so many comments about it. And when it I great. did it, there were yeah. so many comments about it. Amazing. Like, <laughs> watching Anthony's biopic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks to everybody for sending those Letterbox Top 4 into us. If you'd like us to read your Letterbox Top 4 on the podcast, all you got to do is send a screenshot through our Instagram DMs, and we'll throw you on the list. Uh, right now, the queue is 16 years long, but we will get to you. We will get to we it. We will get there. But again, we have a better list if you want to get a greeting card from us, become a $10 patron, and you'll get a greeting card from us this holiday season. Let's move into the next watches on our lists, Anthony. All right, the next one. You might as well do seven, right? Oh, you know, you only have eight I this week. I only have eight. Yeah. All right. How many mind. do you have? I have four remaining. Nice, man. So we go got five. Two, Whoa. one, two, one, two, You're one. still on the same same average as yourself. As well, I only past. watched one movie during traveling. Really? Yeah. I need to watch a couple on the plane. I was so pissed Um, on my flight back, the TV screen at my seat wouldn't work. And they tried resetting it a couple of times. But luckily, I had a feeling. I was just like, I like to download a couple of movies on, on an app just in case. So I downloaded a, a couple movies on Netflix that I'll get to. And I'm just very, I'm very glad I downloaded them because I would have gone crazy because it was a six and a half hour flight. Mm. No, I did. A, I, I watched one movie. I did a bunch of work too. And also just some other stuff. But yeah, I just sat there and stared straight ahead <laughs> for seven hours straight. <laughs> Scaring the shit out of the person next to you. I was like, oh, this person hasn't moved. He's just staring at the Blake screamed, Anton Sugar style. I didn't even blink. <laughs> Did you ask for milk? <laughs> it's like that bit in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's a there's an episode where Dennis Reynolds gets pulled in for questioning for, I think his wife disappeared when he's married to Maureen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just want to come in and, and, and eliminate my name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it's like a documentary style episode where like the police officer is like being interviewed about his time. He's like, I, I met the guy and he put chills down my spine. <laughs> He was very charming at first, and they cut to like the interrogation room, and he answers all the questions really well. And he's very charming and charismatic, and then the detective leaves the room, and then Dennis is like drops his fake smile, <laughs> and then he turns and looks right into the camera. And he doesn't move for like three hours, and then the detective is like in his room, in his office, and he's fast forwarding the tape. He's like, "I never seen anything like it in my life." Didn't move an inch. Didn't even blink for two hours straight. <laughs> it's just him. Fast forwarding the yeah. screen of Dennis That's stone great. stone frozen. I love how many hints they have of uh, Dennis being a sociopath and psycho killer. Yeah. Well, then the detective says, uh, "He's I don't know what he's guilty of. He he may not be guilty of this crime, but he's guilty of something." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, oh that was God, me on the, on JetBlue for seven hours. <laughs> All right. Next up, I watched The Patriot on my pl- on my flight to Boston. Saw so you watching that, man. It was great, man. I gave it four stars, and I wrote, still holds up. It's just um, obviously horribly and historically accurate, inaccurate. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> well, uh, uh, William Wallace, I mean, not William Wallace, fuck, I'm thinking of fucking Braveheart. Benjamin Martin was a real person, but he wasn't like the leader of the resistance. He didn't kill all the Redcoats yeah. himself. He didn't like start the rebellion, although it's <laughs> great for the movie. Um, and also you have more freedom if you don't choose like a famous historical figure like George Washington. Like, uh, but it, I like how they wrote the character making it personal with his family getting killed and, you know, his, his desire to start this new rebellion along the colonies. That being said, well, I wouldn't say he starts no, it. No, yeah, he's, he doesn't he's, start. A, he's a leader. He adds fuel to it. Yeah, exactly. He adds fuel to the fire. Yeah. Cause it's already going on. It's Roland Emmerich's best movie. Uh, it's really good. It's really well f- filmed. Um, 
Caleb Deschanel, uh, the Emily and Zoe Deschanel's father, is a great DP, and he shot this film. He's a wonderful cinematographer. He's made some really great films as a DP. It's so it looks stunning. Heath Ledger is so young in it. He's so young. It's unbelievable. Is this pre Ten Things I Hate About You? Yeah. Or post? This is nineteen ninety. This is two thousand. Okay, so it's right after. Yeah, it's, Ten yeah. Things I Hate About You is ninety nine. But they probably filmed this first. Possibly. Because it's such a big movie. And he, he looks younger in it. It's possible. But he does have, yeah. It's possible. Because he's got his blonde hair in this, and yes. then he's, they darken his Well, hair. actually, maybe the dark hair just made him look older. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, it's it's great. Mel Gibson's fantastic. Um, the, the violence is brutal and gory. <laughs> John Williams' score. John Williams did the score yes. for this? Yeah. Great score. Oh my god! You gotta listen gonna, to it. I'm gonna have to revisit this it movie. It slaps so hard. I haven't seen it in a while. It's a it's a John Williams score. It's really good. Um, and then it's like tons of marching band sounds and drums. Yeah, and, he does and that for brass sure. and horns. I mean, he definitely implemented flutes, instruments of the day. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of drums, um, but it's really great. It's a very subtle score from him um, when it's not action scenes. But it's just it's just an all around fun time. I love historical fiction when it's done well, and this is just a really great movie. Yeah, I remember Anthony and I actually we both were in aisle seats on the same row, and uh, we held hands the whole flight. And I saw you, <laughs> I saw you <laughs> across the aisle, and I saw and we made people jump over our hands when they had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> we're not letting go. But I remember because I was watching the movie I'm about to talk about, and I was like, "Oh man, I should have put the Patreon." Looks like he's having a good Dude, time. Dude, when his son gets shot and he hunts down the squad of redcoats in the forest, yeah, I was like. Pumping, I was getting so pumped up. I was like, "Let's fucking go!" It's epic. It's, it's epic incredible. Stuff, I love a good revenge movie. What a great fucking scene! Yeah, it's honestly it reminds me of it's. It reminds me since we just talked about it and saw it recently, V for Vendetta, where the protagonist, it's a revenge film as well as yes. being a sort of rebellion mm-hmm. at the same time, and they both. both kind of bleed into each other. So they have really two goals on their path as in their journey. But revenge fuels it for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. But there is a greater cause to what they're doing. It's a pretty interesting correlation. Great point. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Now, my next watch was on the flight from LAX to Boston. I watched The Mummy. Nice. I saw that on. I got a little jealous of you watching that. Yeah, four and a half stars, baby. I was planning on watching it on my flight back, but my fucking TV wouldn't work. (laughs) So my review of this brilliant movie is Lawrence of Arabia times Indiana Jones times Charlie Chaplin equals The Mummy. And when you think about it, it kind of nice. has all the elements from all those films. It has the beautiful landscapes and cinematography, not as artistic, It's not David Lean. Yeah, it's yeah. not Lawrence of Arabia, but it's very reminiscent of Lawrence of Arabia, specifically massive sets as well as much of it taking place in desert locations. Indiana Jones, obviously, O'Connell is the closest thing we've had to Indiana Jones, you could argue, since the 1970s, yeah. 1980s. And then Charlie Chaplin, this movie, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. I forgot how much slapstick humor is in it and how much silly, goofy humor that was so popular in the beginning of the 20th century that not many people really put in movies anymore. Physical kind humor, of, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of phasing up, but not just physical, but also uh, the things they say. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me so much of great comedy from the silent film era. Those fucking scarab beetles, man. Yeah. <laughs> scarabs, man. Scarabs are scary. <laughs> those terrified me as a kid. But it's, it's a great movie. I it's thought they were cla- real. Me too. I thought they were real. Yeah. I thought those really existed. I mean, the CGI is not terrific, but it's still it's still solid. Like the mummy when, looks good when he's regenerating yeah. and going through his stages of being a regenerating being. Yeah. It looks solid. It's not terrible. 
It's, but I was watching it on a small screen. But it's, it's still that HD. it's that opening scene CGI that doesn't look good. Yeah, the, the landscapes of, of, of Egypt. Of Egypt. Yeah. This of just like Giza, the city. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they, it looks really, really bad. But everything else looks really good. Exactly. Even the the mummy's fine. But yeah, th- that's the the one scene when it comes to the CGI that doesn't look great. But aside from that, much of this movie is is practical filmmaking. A yeah. lot of it, in addition to like some great visual effects shots, like the the giant sandstorm and stuff like that. And then they get away with stuff like when he consumed the body of one of the guys. They did it with the shadows. Yeah, yeah. So just smart great filmmaking. filmmaking. Yeah, it's just- Stephen Summers. Yeah, yeah, Stephen Summers. Yeah. Uh, I remember that was a trivia question I asked you like four months ago. <laughs> I was like, who directed the movie? You're like, I have no idea. <laughs> but I love it, man. It still holds up. It's still fun. It's Everyone loves this movie. This this movie It's the best Universal Monster movie since probably like Bride of Frankenstein, um, The Invisible Man. It's it's the best one in this, the last 25 years. But I'll watch this any day. And it's a perfect plane movie, man. Great score. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith. Sure. Yeah. 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 It is. I think from so. Alien. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. Let me just. Yeah, then he's just like. <laughs> yeah, then he's like IMDb talking to itself. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I might the, be wrong. I might be wrong. Jeremy Goldsmith, right? Uh, uh, film editor Stephen McClansky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen McClansky. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's funny as hell. <laughs> Stephen McClansky. <laughs> what are they not have the composer on Letterbox? Just go on Spotify, man. No, I know, but I already had it open. Why would you go to Letterbox to look I already up? had it open. But why would you go to it though? <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith. Yes! <laughs> Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> Congratulations. That's right. That's right. But I adore it. Alright, next great up. Stuff. Next up I watched. I was sleeping at my brother's house on his couch. And I was like, it was gonna I knew it was gonna be a rough sleep. So I just wanted to put something just like Shut your brain off. Just fun movie. Um, so I put on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which I, I watched like an hour of it with you. Yeah. I hadn't seen it for a while. It's really good, but it doesn't really come close to a movie like Fallout. And even the, the newest one is way better. It has a lot of great elements, but some elements don't quite work. And ironically, it's like very – it's quite slow. Um, but I still gave it four stars because – uh, the story is pretty interesting for the most part. I think the team and the actors did a great job. The stunt work obviously is insane. This is when they did the Barj Khalifa. Uh, they did um, a couple other things that were just mind-blowing. Um, but that that uh, skyscraper stunt sequence is just unbelievable what Tom did. Um, so I gave it – I almost gave it three and a half stars, but I gave it four. And also because the comedy really works. Him and Simon Pegg are great together. They're Moscow – Invasion is an excellent sequence of them sneaking into the Kremlin. Yeah, yeah. I would say Simon Pegg, this was his best movie in because ter- he was obviously in the third film, Mission Possible 3, but then like he... Just as an analyst, he's, yeah. in, he's in the field in this, this one. This was like his yeah. coming out party of being a part of the team. He's in the yeah. field now, bringing great humor, not just to that sequence, but also this one has like one of my favorite, I guess you could say, Mission Impossible cold opens where he's escaping from the Russian Great cold open, with yeah. Your, well, uh, your, your, va- your guy? What's, he, what's his name? Sergei. Sergei. <laughs> I, I didn't see this part with you. Yeah, Wait, no, I, I think Tom him, calls himself Sergei. Oh, yeah, he, he's yeah. called Sergei. Yeah. Yuri or something like that. Something something. Russian, um, but yeah. it's a really fun sequence of escaping this prison and communicating with Simon Pegg basically through the cameras and everything. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, great tongue-in-cheek stuff, but also great stunts. It's also fun to finally meet the secretary, played yeah. by Tom Wilkinson in this. The secretary is mentioned so many times. We actually got him physically seen in the film. Um, and then... Um, Jeremy Renner is a great introduction. Michael Blumkiss is a really good villain as well. He's the villain of the film. 
And yeah, he's awesome. Oh, he passed away a few years ago. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And he's in the original uh, Dragon, Dragon, Dragon Tattoo, Tattoo yeah. the Sweden version. But I, I like this movie a lot, but I, I agree. You take away the Burj Khalifa sequence, this movie doesn't really stack up to the last three, I would say. But it's still insanely enjoyable, and it's better than number two. It's better than number three. It's also the last one before he started showing his age. He's, yeah, he looks amazing in this movie. He does look amazing. Like his yeah. jawline is still very sharp. His skin's still so tight. Yeah, <laughs> I always, I always, I mean, obviously he gets like that puffier treatment or whatever on his face and stuff. But I've always appreciated Tom's one of those actors where he does not go crazy plastic surgery on his face, and you, he, you, you see him aging. Yeah, he's wrinkling up. He's wrinkled. His face is getting bigger. I really appreciate that rather than like trying to make himself look like younger, like someone like you look at Ben Affleck and his forehead, it just doesn't look quite right. Hey, we will not tolerate Ben Affleck's slander here. I'm just saying it's just, it's different. I don't, it's, it's nice to see them, uh, a big superstar age naturally. No, I know. I agree. And so I, I really appreciate how Tom, like he looks like he's getting old. Yeah. He's, he's old. Did you see that? There's a new Ben Affleck is just depressed at the world photo that's going around. <laughs> well, I changed it to my profile photo on Instagram. On Instagram? Let me yeah, see so, this. Well, my Instagram is James Devaney underscore, but that's my new profile pic right now. He's just, he's like got a hand on one eye. He looks exhausted. <laughs> Which is making the rounds on social media. Oh my God. Speaking of my guy, Ben. My spirit animal right there. Oh man. He just looks tired. But well, it's tough being extremely famous. Well, and extremely busy. Yeah, extremely busy. Writer, director, producer, actor, father, husband, ex-husband. Gets paid though. He's married to J Lo, so things could be worse. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm sure it's mentally fatiguing to do all that. Yeah. There's actually he and Matt did a little Zoom chat for some publication, um, and he was talking about how t- how tough it is being as famous as they are. And that he never imagined, like, this is what it would be like. Yeah, he can't do anything. Yeah, and he's always been very hot for the press. Like, the press have always fed on him. And more than, like, Matt's never had the same kind of press as Ben. Yeah, not even close. Matt's never been, like, the cover of People Magazine gossiping, really. Yeah, exactly. Maybe in his earlier, in the early 2000s sometimes. He's never been a gossip person but like they have they have how much money have gossip magazines made off of ben affleck in the 2000s specifically him and j-lo every week insane every but also i mean that's i mean matt damon married uh just a a normal civilian whereas ben's always dated engaged or been married to very famous people so true you know it kind of invites that extra attention and also when you pair up with jennifer lopez I mean, she's one of the most famous people alive as well, so you're going to be the center of attention. Yeah, so. but I mean, I don't blame him, bro. Oh, no, I, I mean, that's a small price to pay for being married to J-Lo. <laughs> Me and Ben are the she same taste. Still looks taste, amazing. Same taste in woman. <laughs> All right, what's your next movie? My next movie was a movie we're doing an episode on for Monday, Arrival. Denis Villeneuve's brilliant science fiction film, four and a half stars. Nice. Absol- I also gave it four and a half. Absolutely brilliant. Episode next week. And a lot of people have been asking for this one. We love Denis and his movies so, so much. And Arrival is a special one because this is one of those movies where you look at the source material. It's based off a book. How do you translate this to Isn't cinema? Isn't it a short story? It's a, yeah, it's I a think bo- it's a short it's a story. Yeah. No, it's a novel. Okay. And, but like when you, when you look at the source material, that must be – it's so difficult to translate that into a film. Not the – obviously aliens not necessarily invading, just kind of parking – they don't invade Earth. They don't even touch the surface. Okay. But, I mean, in terms yeah. of 
cinematically portraying time because obviously maybe if you're listening to this we won't spoil yeah it's a short story spoil it um but time is an important theme in this film in a, a storytelling device and it's really interesting the way they use it and how al- the aliens use it the heptapods but it, it seems like it would have been a difficult thing to tell and i, I remember i saw an interview recently where denis him and the author got together for like five hours multiple like multiple times to like talk about the film because he was just trying to figure out the best way to tell the story before he hopped on board because i'm sure it was a daunting idea to put to cinema but they nailed it i mean aesthetically this movie looks phenomenal it's ironically it's so grounded despite the scope being so large you know it's a an global alien not invasion again but i guess what would you call like they're just hanging out parking their cars here it's and also what's interesting is in the short story the aliens never leave the orbit of earth but the they communicate through there are mirror devices inside the ships that land but yeah so that's even better to yeah. have them here mm-hmm. cinematically like just changing things up but like again the scope is massive but it's a grounded movie because it, it takes place in like a small area you know yeah. i think that's really fascinating and interesting and it's beautiful on second third watches which this movie demands you will cry in the first 10 minutes because you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. The first time you watch this movie, they do a great job, Denis and his editors and his, and his screenwriters, they do a great job throwing you off the scent of what is happening uh, and knowing and trying to understand what's taking place when. And I, I watched it for, I think it was the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. I was crying within six minutes of the, of the opening act. I also, but I also gave it four and a half stars. I didn't watch it because I watched it um, a month ago. Um, I'll get into why it's not quite perfect. Not yeah, it's quite not a perfect a, movie. Not quite a five out of five. Close, but it's almost there. I know, um, it, but it's it's widely loved, and I think it's an amazing movie. It's our boy George is like one of his favorite movies. He was mad that I gave it four and a half, <laughs> and I was like, "What did he give? He gave something four stars that was, he gave um, recently." Yeah, and I was like, "I'll give this five stars if you give that five stars." He's like, "Not," <laughs> he's like, "Not happening." And I was like, "Okay, it's not happening." <laughs> But it was um it was a movie I love that he gave. No, I remember it was like some, a couple what weeks ago. Was it? What was the movie? Let me just quit. I this. almost messaged him like I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely a 2023 release. Um, whatever it was. Here, keep talking. I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up, man. I, I got you. I'll get into my my next film. What do you got? I got. One second. Keep going, man. Keep going. I left my diary. Just take your time, I guess. Let me get to my diary. Okay, got it. American Sniper. Me and mom watched it. She put it on. And I was like, I walked in right when it started. I was like, did you put on American Sniper? She was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting down for this one. <laughs> Four stars. It's a great movie. And I wrote, Clint Eastwood basically made a great Call of Duty movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, it's a really fascinating true story about uh, Chris Kyle, um, the most accomplished sniper in American history uh, with the, most, the highest kill count ever. For a single soldier um his journey as a soldier he went on four tours um struggled to cope with normal life in america as a father and a husband and then eventually through fighting through that he ended up helping other veterans and that really helped save him too uh, bradley's amazing in the film really great performance this like, was the movie i think that everyone's like whoa bradley cooper can act because no, it, it, it was um was silver this- linings before 
Silver oh, Linings what year was, was 2011. Li- 2011? Yeah, Silver Linings was a long fucking time oh ago. my God, I'm fucking old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did American Hustle before this, too. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I thought this was later. Was it 2014? 2014, yeah. Yeah, because you're getting old, man. <laughs> That's why. But he's Jesus. Gr- he's really unrecognizable in a lot of ways in this film. Um, he really like, changed his body. He put on, like I think, 70, 80 pounds of yeah. both muscle and fat. He's just really big. He's massive. Um, he's like a bear. Uh, in terms of size, but he really his demeanor, his voice is great. Uh, Sienna Miller is also very good in this. But Clint Eastwood, I mean, he's made so many great war films. It's really like not only is he just like one of the best American directors ever, but like he's made a lot of incredible war films. Um, like because he he also made two Korean war films about both sides of the Korean War. So it's interesting how he can. It doesn't matter what's what story he's telling in the genre, he can pull it off. Like. A lot of great filmmakers, they'll do one war film, but he's done a bunch. And, I mean, some of his his westerns are war films. Yeah, the Outlaw true. Jersey Wales, yeah. that's a war film at the mm-hmm. same time. There's a few of his of his westerns that just bleed into the Civil War. So he's really hit different different eras of the wars and different centuries of war. And also, I mean, the back to, the one-two punch, it was um, Flags of Our Fathers and then Letters from Iwo Jima that came out in the same year. It was the Korean War film. So Flags of Our Fathers came out first and then... Um, letters from Iwo Jima came out the year after. I mean, I, Japanese soldiers. World War Two. I figured out the movie Sorry. that George gave four stars. What? Killers of the Flower Moon. No, no, it was a, it was a movie from a while ago. Never mind. Year. Never mind. Well, we don't have time to go through his whole feed. No, yeah. But I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna obsessively look through his feed or diary. Of course I'm, not. I'm coming for you. But American Sniper is really good. It's really good. I haven't seen it in a while. While we should do a war movie soon. War, oh fuck war, yes! War episode soon. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, how many you got left? I got five left. Let me do. You do do another one. No, you do one. I only have two I'm, left. Yeah, but I mean, I love hearing you talk. Also, I'm <laughs> looking for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my next film was a movie I saw on re-release the other day. Seventy millimeter projection. Nice at Universal City Walk, Oppenheimer. I had to go get a fourth viewing of this film. How was it? It was awesome. <laughs> and I said, fourth time confirmed, it's Nolan's best for me. It's a special, special movie this century. And, you know, now we're several months re- removed from seeing it three times in a week and a half. And I still... You can get some objectivity. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah exactly. Because I said after the third watch, I'm like, this is Nolan's best movie. And then fourth watch, three months later, I'm like, it's, it's still his best movie. But it's phenomenal, man. And... You know, I'm picking up on new things every time I watch it. I can't wait for more rewatches of this movie. And Nolan, I think, is just... This century has got to be the top director on the planet Earth. Yes, He has absolutely. to be the top director on the planet Earth. After Oppenheimer, it's no question. Not even Nobody's even close. To, not, nobody's even close. Not, and factoring everything. Factoring in... Uh, he's made uh, 10 movies a century now, or 11. And then the box office performance is monstrous. His, and cult- his, his box office is monstrous. And the cultural impact... And the creativity, artistic the unique, integrity, the uniqueness yeah. of his stories, the the filmmaking quality, hitting every kind of genre. I mean, doing superhero movies, war movies, grand science fiction films, challenging audiences with everything he makes. I don't think anyone tops this guy. No one's even. I don't, there are people kind of close, but like the consistency. Every two years, basically, besides COVID fucking up his schedule, every two years this guy's putting out a banger. Yeah, and to make almost a billion dollars off this film, wow. Yeah, I mean, wow. Oppenheimer really, really sealed the deal for him. But no, creatively... Nobody, nobody's on his level it's, right it, now. It, it, I think it's his most skilled 
work as a director of this movie. Mm-hmm. He, he was like, we did an hour and 50 minute episode on this yeah. and talked about it in great detail. But I, he, I, I do think that Inception is one of his best directed too. For sure. Like it, uh, Inception is top directed for him. Like the in thing terms with of Inception, the direction. And the thing with his career, he's made so many great, great, unbelievable movies that are so loved that even Inception people forgot about. Yeah. People forgot about Inception. Like if anyone it, else made Inception, it'd be their best movie. 100%. <laughs> exactly. But there's like five other movies that shadow Inception for most people. Yeah. You know, most people, they bring up Dark Knight. They'll bring up Interstellar and now Oppenheimer before they bring up Inception. Yeah. It's like, dude, Inception's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It would be like a career highlight for anyone else. Exactly. <laughs> That's how good his career is. Yeah. It's great. He's, he's right now. He's the goat. This the century. Jealousy saw it in, in at the fucking Bro, city walk because the day oh you got God. back was they, st- they yeah, pulled the it from theaters. Shit, that's the best theater. The, the seventy millimeter projection at City Walk, that IMAX there. That's was no, it packed? No, it Weird. wasn't really that packed. Hmm. I got the best seat in the house too. Nice, <laughs> nice. that's great. Because everyone's, I think everyone's already fucking seen it. They're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> next up, I have the Truman Show. Which gave four and a half stars. Did you and mom watch it? Yeah, she she wanted me to put something on that she had never seen before, and I she put, never seen it. She fell asleep during it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's give her a break. She's been going through radiation treatment. No, because she didn't fall asleep during the other movies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can't use a cancer for an excuse for yeah, everything, she, Janice. She didn't fall asleep during the other ones. <laughs> I just don't think she was feeling it. She I, she she liked it at first, but I, she was just like she knocked out, man. <laughs> it was only nine thirty too. But I gave it four and a half stars. We've talked about this ep- movie. We've done an episode on it. Um, it's really it's an amazing film. Incredible screenplay. I gave it four and a half stars. I've and the I, I, I've always given it a five star, but then on another rewatch, I gave it four and a half stars. It's just not it's not perf it's not ten out of ten. It's nine and a half out of ten. Nine and a half out of ten. Nine and a half. Yeah, I'll give yeah. it nine and a half out of ten. Really incredible film. Unbelievable. Peter Peter Ware is um Australia's best director. And this is he also did this dude did Master and Commander. Yeah. After the Truman he did the Truman Show and then Master and Commander. It's like, whoa! Legend. What the f this guy's the best. He's great. <laughs> Fucking love Master it's and Commander. It's a wholly unique film. Yes. There are things that are kind of like it. I mean Ed T V kind of, but not really. There's nothing all like right, the Truman all Show. Right, it's all right. so so unique. And then I'll go again. Um, I watched Casino. Not with mom. Uh, she went to bed and I was like, I'm putting on Casino. <laughs> I got th- I got three hours to kill. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I watched it earlier this year and I was just like, fuck it. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember we watched it together like yeah. five months ago. It's so good and it's so artistic. It's not. It's so much more than a gangster movie. He does so much visually with this film. And it's he really it's just you watch movies like this and you're like you then you the more you watch his movies, and, and this is a prime example, the more you realize he is just the most dynamic filmmaker who ever lived. And visual artist in the realm of cinema. He's just the best. He does so like it's not just a gangster movie, it's so much more than that. It's just this three hours and it flies by. And it's so visually stunning and so creative. He gets so creative with the editing, with the filmmaking. With the visual effects and special effects, like transitions, edit, like the it's unbelievable. These incredible inserts, like the guy just invented like the insert shots of drug use. Like it, there's a great insert of a POV inside of a straw of someone snorting cocaine. It's like who thinks to do that? Plus, you know, it's like you're in the fucking money wrap inside of it, and this cocaine is blowing into the camera. And I mean, 
the color of money to make pool and billiards look so interesting. Yeah. He does the same thing with dice and cards in this movie, in yeah. Casino. Like, who does stuff like that? And with this movie, he really... He, does, he did a lot of Goodfellas, too, because with so many scenes going on, and to keep the energy going, he does a lot of the whip pans in this film. Um, that it, you, Someone like Damien Chazelle has made a trademark of his. Um, Scorsese was really, like, a huge, uh, per, like, beginner... like Pioneer. Be, huge pioneer, thank you, of that kind of technique. This Casino, it's kind of like Color of Money and Goodfellas fucked and had a baby. Yeah, yeah. The like energy, yeah. the filmmaking... I mean, and I love shooting the, tables a lot. I love the Midwest gangsters. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're great. <laughs> the accents are awesome. And I think it has the two like I, we brought it before. For me, I think the two most intense scenes of gore in Scorsese movies is I would say the yes. head in the vice, yeah. and then also the bat sequence, Tommy's death. Yeah, with, with his brother getting beaten to death <laughs> in front of him. Oh my god, man! And then Sharon Stone's amazing in this. She's great. <laughs> Five stars. Yeah, you want this? Take this money. It lasts you two fucking hours. Yeah. <laughs> you get greedy, the fuck out of here, greedy bitch. <laughs> also, I believe I might be wrong, but I believe De Niro has more dialogue than anyone other act- actor in a film in this film because of all the narrating he does. Wow, I think it might be the most dialogue possible. Cool. How many you got left? And because it's three hours long, it's pretty long. Um, I got two left. All right, do one, and then I have one left. Next up, a movie that I watched with mom that she didn't fall asleep to, and she fucking loved. Was the gray nice? I knew she would like it. The gray. I thought you said the great earlier. Oh no, the that's why you looked at me with like yeah, outer like, response. Yeah, I'm like you watched the great, the Hulu show. <laughs> yeah, we watched three seasons of a show. I swear to God, you said the great. That's why I was like perplexed. No, I said gray. I said the gray. The gray is fucking awesome. Cause she, the, what she said to me was, now I can watch. I I want to watch some scary movies that I would never watch on my own because you're here. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'll put on some pretty violent and scary movies. And I had a feeling she would really like The Grey because it's a solid movie. I fucking love The Grey. It's great. It's a great movie. This is the movie that when we talked about 65, we're like, just copy The the Grey. Do The Grey. And Liam Neeson's just the man. So I wrote four stars. Liam Neeson vs. Wolves. Say no more, fam. It's awesome. (laughs) No, no. That's not how kids talk anymore. You got to say, say less. Say less. Yeah, I showed my age with that one. Yeah, fam. No, say less. Say less, bro. I don't need to fit in. I'm, I just got to be me. Um, Joe Carnahan made this movie. Great cast. Uh, James Badge Dale's in it. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, Frank Grillo. Awesome, awesome actors. And then Liam just carries it on his back. Uh, and the violence is great. The gore is great. The visual effects looks... The CGI looks good for the most part. Uh, but the the special effects and prosthetic wolves look fantastic. They do. They really do. They look terif- scary. Terrifying. Um, and it's very gory, very bloody, uh, but not too gratuitous. And it's all around just a flat-out great survival movie. And it has just an amazing ending. Just a great, great ending. And when it cut to black, because it, it it ends with him prepping. He, he, he wraps his hand with the with the uh, little glass bottles and breaks that. And then he, Yeah, his last then, survivor is yeah. going to be him versus the big wolf. Yeah, and then he tapes... The alpha, he tapes his well, other spoil hand. spoil it, maybe. Okay. Well, with the ending, it cuts to black. We won't tell you how Emotionally, it dramatically. And mom was like, oh, oh. It was like, she was like in it. Yeah, it's a philosophical movie, too, yeah. and it deals with grief and trauma at the same time. Yeah. And, and moving on past that and accepting it. Yeah. It's, Jan- yeah. it's a great movie, man. Janice loved it. She would you, loved would it. you give it for a rating? Four stars. I would give it four stars too. Yeah, it's a really great movie. Man, I want to watch the great. It's album. just it doesn't have that great of like a script and dialogue. Um, and there's a couple of moments that are just a little too melodramatic. 
But outside of those, it's really fantastic. It's also it's kind of like Jaws with wolves as well. Oh yeah, in a way. I love that. It's a good movie. All right, I actually my final watch was also a Liam Neeson movie. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Taken. I hadn't seen Taken in years, <laughs> years, and I was just in the mood for just some silly action and just like fuck it, let's just watch something fun. And so I put Taken on, and it's not as good as I remember. <laughs> it came back. It came out back in two thousand and eight. Oh my god! I gave it three and a half stars, and I wrote this movie walks on a tightrope of being excellent. Or network TV so precisely that it could be both. Now, the script the script is very so-so. Some of the dialogue is very corny, very cheesy, especially like him and his friends talking. The first act is just a little weak when it comes to dialogue, and then it once it gets going though for like the middle second act, it's really entertaining. You know, from the point where. He starts bodyguarding, guarding that pop singer, and then his daughter goes to France and Europe and gets taken pretty quickly. Then it's, let's go. This is epic. This is really cool. But then I feel like it teeters out in the third act. It kind of is a, I know the, the third act is very climatic. Everyone's seen this movie. It was so popular. It ends on the boat where he saves his daughter from the sheik that just purchased his daughter. And so he just kills all these guys on this yacht. It's not as climatic as I thought it would be from from remembering and it's not that it's anticlimactic it's just kind of a not a great third act i think i don't know i just i don't think they had the budget to go big yeah but they didn't have to go big to make it exciting true, you know true, that's true, what yeah. i mean it just ended up being it, it sort of felt like jason Bourne, a jason Bourne movie yeah and sort of what john wick ended up becoming but i think just john wick does the the action and violence so much better liam's awesome but he's like 55 60 in this movie but he still does a really good job mm-hmm. But the action and the fight sequences aren't as good as I remember. You can tell they work around a lot with their cuts and edits. Similar especially to, in the sequels. Yeah, the sequels especially. But they did a really good job. Remember still, the, uh, the 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 fence jump? Yeah. The cli- climbing. <laughs> yeah, there's a, in the third one or the fourth one, he climbs the, a fence and hops it yeah. and jumps down. And they, did, they, they edited 30 different edits within five seconds just yeah. because it wasn't him. But I just remember, I was watching it and halfway through, I'm like, this is a Bourne movie except if he had a family. Yeah. And, and But they just didn't do it as well. They even have him like walking along the edges of a building exterior from window to window with like a very mellow beat. The, the music sounds like Jason Bourne. The music is terrible. It's really not good music. <laughs> it like, takes me out of the movie the whole time. Because it's one of those movies, it's like, and it feels like an indie movie that was made like very low budgets uh-huh. at the same time as like a blockbuster action film. Yeah. It's just these two. It's weird. The tone is so back and forth. But it's effective, and everyone loved this movie when it came out. This That movie uh, changed Liam Neeson's career. Yeah. Because he had done action, obviously, as Qui-Gon Jinn, but Taken turned him into the older, the veteran action hero he, he is known for now. I mean, like we've talked about a bunch and and kind of recently where when we were talking about Casino Royale and James Bond with Daniel Craig, how the spy genre changed to being a lot more physical and and, in hand-to-hand combat with Jason Bourne in the early 2000s. And then Casino Royale obviously taking note from that, but then also taking kind of taking that style as well in 2008. Yeah, what what Stahelski um, and Leach did with John Wick was so many iterations of the post-Bourne action movie have been done. And they really found a way of doing the best version of this new style of action movie and 
there were a bunch of misses like this one that didn't quite work. Yeah, John Wick. But they figured out the formula. Yeah, plus visually it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, we love John Wick. And obviously not being a spy helps, I think. But it's still a good shut your brain watch. But at the same time, it's not as good as you remember. Trust me. <laughs> All right, next up, my final movie was The Deer Hunter uh, by Michael Cimino. Um, this came out in 1978. I gave it five stars. Remarkable in every sense of the word. One of the all-time great American films. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. It has been for a long time. It's uh, really incredible. I remember the first time I saw it was Netflix by mail. And it's there's something like I realized that I liked different movies. This is one of the first movies where I noticed that about myself where I actually craved movies that weren't like uh, the big mainstream ones. Not that this wasn't because this, this was an Oscar winner, but I mean the first hour of the movie is a wedding. And I was I was watching this as a 17-year-old just hooked. I was like, this is amazing. This is like the most amazing first hour I've ever seen. And it's just a wedding. You know what I mean? Because of how incredible the filmmaking is, the acting, um, the the writing is just, it's perfect. And the story hasn't even started yet. Um, but it really is an epic in every sense of the word. And it's just incredible to showcase how this community is ravaged by war um, and how the, the it affects everything. And also seeing the war and seeing the effects of that. And then... It's, it's like three main chapters of this film. You get the the wedding in, in the steel town, and then we get war being in the uh, in the camps and then being forced to play Russian roulette. And then we get uh, post-war of Michael trying to um, reconcile with what happened while also trying to start a new life again and then going back to find Steve. Uh, Steve! <laughs> Steve Madden. Steve. She's so hot. Oh, my gosh. Women's she's, shoes. She's perfect. <laughs> Donnie, what are you doing? Um, and Christopher Walken, Meryl Streep, Robert De Niro. I mean, need I say more? They're all incredible. You forgot the legend who was in John Cazale. Yeah, yeah, five movies all nominated for Best Picture. Um, Walken won. Yeah. De Niro won, but Meryl didn't win, even though she should have. She's Dude, Meryl Streep and Robert De Niro acting together, it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. They made a, the first act's really terrific. Yeah, they've made three films together. Um, this is the first one, and they're they're just... When you're watching them two on screen, you're like, oh, these are like the two best actors of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, what I think this movie does really well is male friendships and masculine relationships. They do a really good job, specifically pre-war and post-war, mm -hmm. and I think they... Bring a, a lot of authenticity to that. That's what the one of the strength, strengths of the film is its authenticity to because it's this is, real guys, real yeah, people. But also, this is a very specific community. It's a Russian town. Like everybody's, these are they're all children of Russian immigrants. Like this steel town, it's all Russian. Like the church is like built like a Russian church, and they're Catholic, but Russian Catholic, and they they it, it's a Russian wedding, and they say Nostrovia when they drink. So what I like that aspect where it's it's American, they're in America and they're Catholic, but it's a Russian community, which is another like flourish of a, a paintbrush that's just like no other movies like that. It's really great, um, but it's all character. The character works amazing, and I mean, De Niro. I was watching this last on the plane. I was like, he really might be the best ever. He really might be the greatest ever. Yeah, it might be when it comes to PO War. POW films, I mean, yeah, it's probably the best. Yeah, it's up there. But because, dude, the fucking Russian roulette scene, yeah, in the in the camp. Which one? The first one. Or the, the first. One? The first yeah. one when they're um, captives. Yeah, 
what he does in that scene is unfucking real. Really, it is, but also because it, it leads to the well, I don't want to. I mean, it's kind of old movie. The the escape sequence. Yeah, it's all dependent on chance. Yeah, you know exactly. It's it's crazy. I I just remember being a teenager seeing that. And I was like, this is fucking insane. Yeah, I remember I watched it when I was a teenager too. You because you, you introduced it to me probably, and it blew my hair back as well. I was probably like, you gotta watch Deer Hunter. You're like, what? <laughs> but it's De Niro hunting deer. <laughs> What? <laughs> great score, too. Yeah. Really wonderful score. Great, great movie. That's my last movie of the episode. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Letterboxd Recap on Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Again, episodes next week. We got Arrival dropping on Monday from Denis Villeneuve, as well as this past Wednesday, the other day, we dropped an episode on Daniel Craig's James Bond Craig. era. Craig. Daniel Craig's James Bond era. Sorry. The, Unsubscribed. The Boston accent comes out when we say Craig. Craig. And then also on Monday. What are we doing an episode on Monday? This past Monday? Yeah. I don't know. We you did something edited. sick. You edited it. V for Vendetta. Yes. That's what it was. And then we'll figure something out for next Monday. Again, next Monday. We always Wednesday. do. Again, if you want to receive a holiday greeting card from us this holiday season, become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. The $10 minimum tier will get you access to receive a holiday greeting card. We'll just ask for your address and then we'll ship it to you. And, you know, that fee will pay for all the printing and shipping and everything for your greeting card. And, we appreciate the support, but we also just want to give another perk to our patrons because they help us do the show full-time. We couldn't do it without you, everyone, on Patreon. Thank you so, so much. I also want to shout out our recent patrons of the past week. Let's go. So, we got <clears throat> Blaine, Wasif, Andrew, Perry, Peter, and Hunter. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining our Patreon tier. We appreciate you. It means the world to us. And like James said, Anthony needs to get his Trader Joe's. I just got it, so thank you for the Trader Joe's. <laughs> I just went today. And Juno's Meowmix just came in, so <laughs> Juno thanks you for, for your support as well. <laughs> but uh, also, uh, leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple. We're at almost 2,000 ratings on Apple. We're so close. Damn. We're so close. Help oh, also, we there. just got 1,000. We're at 1,100 ratings on Letterboxd for Midnight Ruin. Oh, that's amazing news. Closing it on 2,000, our goal. Closing in. But uh, again, we do all that, and we appreciate you so much. And episodes are bangers coming out soon. Let's go. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.